0: Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his blessings. And we're going to I've been talking about some of this for a while, but I'm I'm getting this this is like it's like downloads and so all I got is scribbles up here today, so I'm going to try to make sense of all this. But uh I usually have it all lined out, and then I don't go by it, but I usually at least have it all lined out. But we're going to be talking today about, we're going to dig deeper into breaking the power of oppression over your life. A lot of us don't even understand what that is, and we don't know what it's even happening. And yet, I can tell you that uh, the majority of Christians today are operating under some form of oppression. Even though we're a free people, yet we're operating under some form of oppression, and I want us to understand that. And, and we're going to be in the day, weeks ahead. We're going to be, we're going to be realizing, understanding number one how to identify it, number two uh, how to confront it, and then how to break its power uh, over our lives. Because oppression is sneaky; it's not just a lot of times it's not just an all-out attack against you. It actually feels familiar. It comes in a familiar way. And because of the familiarity of it, we don't rise up against it. And we, we tend to succumb to it. And uh, then we wonder, why, you know, what's going on? Why, why is this happening? Praise God. But uh, we're going we're gonna to see that today. And um, I just want to say, I, I, I think it's this week, that uh marks me and sister Betty's twenty-fifth year of being pastors here. Wow. Twenty-five years. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's a long that's a long time. Yeah. Praise God. We uh in November we we got landmarks this year. November will be our fortieth wedding anniversary. So wow. And for such young people, you know, it's it's amazing. That's that's what's a, that's what's amazing to be so young and to be having these landmark things happen. You know, praise God. Course, we we were married at ten, so you know, just that, that's what happened. In the Book of Acts, chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. I'm just going to jump into this. I'm trying to get my coordinates right here. Book of Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. I want, to, I want to read that one more time. How God anointed Jesus. Now, anointing means to be commissioned. It means to have the authority to do so. How God anointed or gave Jesus the authority with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now, the word healing here means to make whole or to make complete. Jesus went about healing or making whole and complete all of those who were oppressed by the devil. The word oppressed, it it means to exercise dominion against. To exercise dominion against. Remember when, when Adam was in the garden, God told him, said, I give you dominion over all the, all the earth. Well, Adam lost that because of sin, and dominion was transferred. And so today we live in a world where dominion of this world is against Christianity, against God, against, against uh, the life of Christ. And the battle has raged ever since then. So there's, there has been a battle of dominion. Dominion means that you are superior over or have conquered something. And so Jesus went about healing, making whole or complete all of those who had come under the dominion of the devil. Now, to be under the dominion of the devil doesn't mean that you have to foam at the mouth, your head spin around, and and have demonic fits. Matter of fact, the majority of people who are under the dominion of the devil don't even realize it and don't have demonic fits, but there are things that we need to understand that are markers of oppression. One of the main things you can understand about oppression is the feeling that I'm stuck. You can't seem to get anywhere. You can't seem to get anything done. You can't seem to make any ground. It's that feeling of being stuck. I'm just stuck. When, when I was uh, younger, I worked in the oil fields out in uh, Oklahoma. You got to be young to work that kind of work. And... We we worked in the the locations we worked in. I worked for Halliburton Oil Well Servicing, and I, I drove an eighteen wheeler with a, a, a trailer that was uh, called a blender, and it had big diesel engines and all kinds of plumbing, a big hundred hundred uh, barrel tub, and you know, sand screws and and you know, chemical tanks and all kinds of stuff, and they were these big eighteen wheelers, and we would go into these locations. On the, in these pastures, where when it was rainy, the time time of rain, it would get so muddy that we couldn't get in and out of these locations. So they would have, when we would show up, they would have these big uh, D nine cats. If you ever seen a big D nine cat, I mean they're huge, they're they're massive, and they would. We had these uh, hookups on the front of our trucks. And they would hook their cable to the front of our trucks and start dragging these 18-wheelers into these locations. And sometimes the mud would be so deep that I wouldn't even be those big tracks. I mean, when I stand beside them, they, they were this, this tall. I wouldn't even be able to see the tracks on the, on the Caterpillar dragging us in there. All I could see was the mud moving. The tracks were down in the mud digging and trying to pull me, and I'd look out, and the the mud would be going around the fuel tanks of my truck, and just this deep mud, and I had to get out and work in that stuff, you know? that. And so they they would drag us in there, and then he would take us. We'd have to position all the trucks on that location where everything would be hooked up, and so he'd take that big D9 cat with the big uh, front plow on it, and he would, he would shove those trucks around, just slide them around in this mud and get them in position. And so this one particular day, I opened the door and, you know, my mentality is not to dread something, just jump right into it. Because the longer you put it off, the more you dread it. It's like getting into wa- cold water. I, I can't just slowly walk into cold water. I, I get fighting mad. I mean, just... It's, I have to just jump in and, and just get the fit over with, you know, because it, it's going to come. No, it's going to happen. And so I'm, I'm, on the, I'm standing on the, on the, in the doorway of my 18-wheeler truck, and the mud's up over the fuel tanks. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not that heavy, so I won't sink in that bad. And so I jump off, I jump off the truck into the mud, and I, I sunk up to here. And it wasn't, it wasn't sloppy mud. If it was sloppy mud, it would, it wouldn't have been so bad. It was thick mud. And when I jumped into that, it closed in on my legs, and that's where I was. I was stuck. I couldn't move. I was trying to get, get my legs to move. I was trying to get out of, I couldn't get out of it. And I started hollering, don't jump off your trucks. Because I knew, you know, I, I didn't want the rest of the guys to get, I mean, what if all of us did that? <laughs> you know, days later when they come to check on us, there would be standing. And I started hollering, don't jump off your trucks. And so they started climbing over the trucks. And they come over to where I was at and got up on, on top. And they grabbed hold of my coveralls that I was wearing. and And they started pulling, trying to pull me out of that mud. And I was trying to work, trying to get my legs out. And when, when, when you get stuck like that, there's a lot of things can happen. One is anxiety. Another is frustration. And another one is fatigue. And as I struggled to get out of that mud, I got tired. They pulled on me so hard that they, they popped my hip joints out of place. I mean, they popped loud and it hurt. And, and I said, oh, that ain't going to work. And so the only way they got me out of there finally is they went and got shovels and started sticking them down by my legs and trying to get air down around my legs, trying to get, and so it would release me. And so they, they, they had to get air down around that. They had to get some room around that mud so that it would release me and I could be pulled out. Oppression... Many times, it's not a sudden attack of the enemy. Oppression is an atmosphere. Oppression, oppression is, is an atmosphere that makes you feel like you're trying to walk in thick mud. Your life becomes oppressed. You can't seem to get anywhere. Everything you do seems to be hard, and you... You have anxiety because it just seems like every direction you turn, you can't get there. And then there's this thing called fatigue. How many people today that really don't do anything that physical are always fatigued, always exhausted? We are an exhausted people today, and especially Christians, so many I'm I'm around a lot of different churches, a lot of different Christians, and I see this all the time. We are always tired. and But the thing is, I just, I'm just going to lay this out for you. Your body can take so much more than what we're putting on it. Matter of fact, the more you put on your body, the more endurance you're going to have. Even when you get old, I've been trying to practice that. I don't give in, you know. When I when I feel like when I, when something wears me out, I don't just give in to it and say, "Well, I probably shouldn't do that anymore." I do it that much more, you know, because it's like, "How dare you?" You know, you're not going to whip me. <laughs> You know, Sister Val was talking about getting that fight back. Well, as children of God, we've got to get a certain amount of fight back in us that says, you know, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to live under this oppressive spirit. That tries to hold me down. I was in a service here while back. and and I was I was so miserable. I mean, I was literally miserable. I wasn't a speaker. I was I just went there because uh, they it was going to be a prophetic service, and they said there's going to be have uh, prophetic words for the region and stuff. And I went there, and I was so miserable. I was fidgeting. I was I was putting my head, in my hands. I was you know I was I was just. Wanting to fight so bad because there was such an oppressive spirit in that place that it was suffocating. Everybody was tired. Everybody was just war. You know, you could look at it and they were just drained and, and, and there was just this frustration and this fatigue. And, and, and I was sitting there just wanting to get up and, and, and say, get up and fight. But it, it, they were, it was such a natural state that they didn't even recognize what was going on and they just simply succumbed to it. It's just normal. It's just my life. No, it's not just your life. We have been promised in the Word of God to abound. The power of the Holy Spirit has been given to us and, and the, and faith, and He has the word tells us that we are to abound in it. But if we're not abounding in it, it's because oppression has become the atmosphere of our life and we are feeling stuck, we are feeling confused, we are feeling anxious, we are feeling frustrated and we are fatigued and we don't know what to do about it because every day is just one more day just like the other was and we're just trying to hang on as children of God. God not want us just to hang on. God wants us taking territory. He wants us standing up. He wants victory flowing out of our lives. And if we don't know what's going on, we won't know what to do about it. There are, as I've been talking about, the three levels of prosperity. You know, when you mention prosperity, immediately everybody thinks about money. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that the greatest prosperity that there is is spiritual fullness. To be spiritually full. That's the number one highest level. And if we're not spiritually full, we are missing out. If we're walking around drained and don't have the Spirit of God flowing in our lives, Christianity is rough. It's hard. Because as a Christian, you will always have an opposer. And if you don't have the power to overcome the opposer, you will live under oppression. We can't afford just to be Christians. We can't afford just to be dormant because our oppressor has no mercy. And if you name the name of Christ, he will crush you, he will suffocate you, and he will keep driving you down until He stripped you of everything that's good in your life. And you'll end up being a person that says, I'm a Christian, and you'll be the most miserable person there is. And everybody will think, man, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. Amen. Boy, that's good preaching. Woo! Come on, somebody. To be made whole, Jesus went about doing good. Amen. That's good. That doing good. Churches are supposed to do good. Matter of fact, you ought, to get, you ought to get the vision the IRS has for church. The IRS has a greater vision for the church than the church has for the church. I've read, I've read the the regulations that the IRS passed for you to have a 501 C and ask if we were taken to court to prove that we were a church we would have to be an alive expanding aggressive evangelizing church that has taken over the country in order to prove yourself in court a church has to be constantly reaching out to the community feeding, clothing, taking care of needs. A church needs to be growing and reproducing itself and planting new churches. This is the IRS. They have a vision for the church (laughs) that the church hasn't quite got a hold of. If we could, let alone the Word of God, if we just live up to the standards IRS has for us, we would, we would be a dominion that is hard to deal with. <laughs> Amen. Oppression has become the atmosphere, the normal atmosphere of Christianity. And it's time we recognize it, cast it off and get rid of it and start living in the abundance that God has given us. The number one, the highest level. One of these days, I'm going to be able to pull all this together and put it in order because I've been preaching it in, in sections. But The highest level is spiritually full. That is the absolute number one vision of God. When Jesus breathed on the disciples, he didn't say, go and be wealthy. He didn't say, be healed. He said, be filled with the Spirit. That was the number one commissioning of Jesus, and that's the greatest prosperity that there can be. Number two is mental Emotional and physical wellness. That's the second level of prosperity. That's the second level of blessing: mental, emotional and physically whole. That's the number two. Number three is financial and provisional flow. All prosperity messages for the last several years since the '70s has all focused on the third level. And the reason is because the third level is the easiest one to flow in. The rest of it, I mean, the world has money. And so you can figure out how to get money. Matter of fact, I've got a message coming up that, that is going to help us understand prosperity in the house of God as far as finances. And that is the fact that every blessing that has ever come to the body of Christ has come through the, the spoils of war. And if, if we don't learn to be warriors, financial warriors, God has raised up people in the church, the body of Christ, to be financial warriors that go out and take the wealth from the devil and transfer it to the kingdom of God. Because if they don't, people, people called this verse for years that the wealth of the wicked come coming to the righteous. Well, how's that going to happen if there's no transfer points? The children of Israel had so much gold that when they built the, when Solomon built the temple, they were able to overlay everything with gold. Where'd that come from? It come from Egypt. It come from victory over Egypt. It was the spoils of war that the money belongs to the devil. And the only way that the children of God are going to be able to flow in that simply because it is our way. It's, it's our per- temporary way of purchase. That's the only reason we have money today. But, it, but the devil has dominion over it. And the only way the house of God is going to be able to prosper and move forward in finances is if, when we learn that it is taken by force. Well, I lost everybody there. I know for years it's been given this offering and God will give you all kinds of money. Well, that money ain't going to come if you don't know how to go out and get it. If you don't know how to receive it, come on. I, I can't preach on that today. Let me go, Let me alone. I, that, that's way down the road. I can't preach on that. Okay. Amen. God wants to bless you, but he does not want you to be a reservoir. He wants it to flow. Financial and provisional flow. Amen. Flow. <laughs> Woo. Flow. It means it flows from you to somebody else and it just keeps flowing. Praise God. Oh, come on. Get back. Get with me. Oppression is something we have to recognize in our life. It will cause you to be miserable every day of your life if you're not careful. There's always something wrong. I watch people today and they live in an attitude that there's just something wrong. There's just something missing. Never happy where they're at. Never happy with what they have. There's always something missing. It's the lie that the devil sowed to Eve when she was looking at the fruit and the devil said, you'll never be good enough the way you are until you eat that fruit because God is holding back from you but if you eat that fruit you'll be better you'll be as God and and that's that's how the enemy tricked Eve it wasn't sin she didn't see it as sin she saw it as the fact that she was lacking and she needed something else and today you watch people and there's always something wrong I, I get so aggravated when I get around some Christian people and some pastors they're always wanting to talk about what's wrong with the church I don't want to talk about what's wrong with the church I don't see anything wrong with the church I see that we have a lot of lacking I see we've got to get some revelation but I don't want to talk about what's wrong with the church ter- Church, I want to talk about what God's doing I want to talk about what he's got what he's given us the only thing wrong with the church is we're too busy thinking about what's wrong with the church start talking about what's good Always like the you know we we've got our share of problems. I mean we we struggle every every month to make payments and all that kind of stuff here at the church, and we've been struggling with with, with si- the size of our congregation for a long time, and yet we we've done amazing things all over the world and through this little congregation. And people don't understand how you know I have pastors come up to me and say I just want to know how you're doing it. I say I I said. I always brag on you guys. I said, oh, I, just, I just got a great church. I just got a great church. That's what I always say because I, you know, I don't know how we do it. It's God blesses us and we, and we transfer it. That's how it happens. We're all, we just committed to that, to build a church in the Philippines. We're already $1,200 up on that. Amen. So we got our start. Praise God. We're transforming the, the downstairs ne- next door for our kids' church. And, and we're, already, we're already up on that a few thousand dollars, ready you know, to, to get started on and keep going. Where does that come from? I don't know. It comes from people that have went out and taken chunks of what belonged to the devil and transferred it to the kingdom of God. And, and, and all of a sudden, it blesses, causes blessing and many thanksgivings, is what the Word of God says. But when we always feel like something is wrong, you I have pastors come up and they'll, put, they'll pat me on the back and say, "How you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> That's what they expect me to do. I always look at them and say, "Man, doing great. Doing great." How's the church doing? Oh, man. Woo, you should have been there last Sunday, man. We had a, a serve the glory of God came. There might have just been 20 people here, but we had an awesome time. You know? It's all in what you want to focus on. Oppression comes from what you pay attention to and what you allow to take dominion over your life. And the devil always works through something to try to distract you and get you, to, get you to go with that. In 2 Kings, let's turn to the book of 2 Kings. I'm going to try to give this in order because I, you know, I'm just wanting to blow up. 2 Kings chapter chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It says, in the 20th, 23rd year of Joash... The son of Ahaziah, Ahaz, anyway, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned seventeen years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed the sins of, of of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who had. Made Israel sin, he did not depart from them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazael, king of of Syria, and into the hand of Ben Hadad, the son of Hazael, all their days. So Jehoahaz pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord listened to him, for he saw the oppression of Israel. Because the king of Syria oppressed them, then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they escaped from the, from under the hand of the Syrians. And the children of Israel dwelt in their own, in their tents as before. I want you to look at at the progression. Sin brought oppression that gave. Power to the king of Syria to come down and oppress the children of Israel. What what does it mean to oppress? It means that he took possession of their possessions, he took possession of their time, he took possession of their energy, and they had to serve under him. And there was no way that they could advance, there's no way they could abound. Because every time that anything that they got came under the oppressive power of Syria. And so they were stuck. They couldn't move. They couldn't even live in their own tents. But then somebody began to say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't what we were called to. This isn't what the children of Israel were called to be. This isn't how we're supposed to live. And he began to cry out to the Lord. And it says the Lord saw the oppression of Israel and he sent them a deliverer. Oppression is only in power until the deliverer shows up. When you get tired of oppression, God has a deliverer. When you get tired of the devil stealing from you all the time, God has a deliverer. When you get tired of being sick and tired, God has a deliverer. (laughs) When you get tired of being stuck, God has a deliverer. And he will come down and breathe on you and cause the mud to release your legs where you can get out of the mud and start moving again instead of being stuck and you can start flowing in life. There is a power that God has released in the church that sets us free and causes us to be able to move. See, oppression restricts movement. We've been praying for a move of God. Isn't that what we call it? A move of God. Well, What's stopping that move of God? A spirit of oppression. Oppression restricts movement. And so whenever we start trying to break free, the devil quickly snaps the whip and keeps us under oppression. See, the devil doesn't fight fair. He, when you start breaking free of oppression in one area, he'll re- recreate it in another area. That's, that's like trying to get rid of an addiction. You, you you start breaking free of addiction in one area, and you'll you'll just simply transfer that addiction to something else. There, you can be delivered, or you can be set free. Delivered means that you've simply broke free from that. Being set free means that nothing else has hold of you. I could swing from the chandeliers right now if we had chandeliers. I'm I'm able to launch out and get a hold of one of these fans here in a minute. Amen. I might be getting close to 60, but I believe God's going to give me that ability. I've, I've been declaring that I'm going to have the strength and vitality I had when I was, when I was 20 years old because I don't think God's done. As a matter of fact, I feel like the best years are ahead of us, and we're just getting started. Amen. Hallelujah. If God has to rebuild us in every way, then let us start rebuilding. Amen. Let God start putting us back together. Let God start delivering us from the oppressor that is trying to stop us because there is a move of God coming and I don't want to be stuck in the mud when God's calling us to run. To be able to recognize the fact that you're under oppression means that you start recognizing the fact that these things are happening in your life. You are frustrated all the time. You are fatigued all the time. You've got confusion and anxiety in your life all the time. And you constantly feel stuck and you don't have any way out. Nothing can change. i got to tell you something. If you'll start crying out to God, if you'll start recognizing what's going on and start crying out to God, God sent a deliverer 2,000 years ago and he shed his blood, died and went to the tomb and rose again a third day and sent the Holy Ghost back to us so that we can come free and get out of that oppression and feel the power of God and see something happen in our lives. Amen. See, every time you start trying to get free the enemy tries, comes and starts poking the thing that got you in that oppression in the first place. Deceitful. He's deceitful. There's so much anger and bitterness in people today, and it's causing us to be spiritually dry. It's causing us to be physically sick, and it's causing us to be financially drained because when you allow bitterness to come into your life, you will self-destruct everything that's good in your life. See, let me me just... I'm, I'm going to jump forward just a little bit because i got to say this, this. Somebody needs this today. Whenever you walk in bitterness and unforgiveness, what you're saying is, God, I demand judgment on that person. The problem with that is when you demand judgment on that person, they're not the only one gets judged. You come under judgment. And so mercy is taken away from you and you come under judgment. And what you're saying is God choose between the two of us who's more righteous. And all of sin and come short of the glory of God. So when we do that, we bring ourselves under the judgment of God instead of the mercy of God. And that's when things start going wrong. Your body begins to suffer sickness, invades your body. Your brain begins to suffer depression, anxiety, uh, schizophrenia. All kinds of things sit in whenever you refuse to walk out of bitterness, anger, and you hold on to that. It begins to tear you apart from the inside out. Because we cannot exist under judgment. Only through the mercy of God can we live. Only through the mercy of God can we exist. Because this world is designed to tear you apart and destroy you. There's a thief that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Let go of your bitterness. Let go of your anger. Run back under the mercy of God and let him start healing you of your oppression. You need to have this attitude. I refuse to let anybody curse me with judgment. Amen. Amen. Our choices determine whether we're oppressed or not. Man, I'm not even going to get through half of what I wrote down here. The threshing floor experience we've been talking about is not a place to punish you. It's a place of deliverance from oppression. Remember, we've been talking about Gideon. Gideon was under the oppression. The Israelites were under the oppression of the Midianites. And God sent an angel one day to Gideon. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Remember, we talked about that last Sunday. It don't work. There's no wind in a a wine press. And you're doubled up. You've got the threshing, which is the sorting out, you're being thrown in the air, and the chaff is being, being de- uh, revealed in your life. And then the wine press is a place of crushing, a place of pressing. And here Gideon is in a threshing floor being crushed. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up and says, Thou mighty man of valor. See, there's natural truth, and then there's spiritual truth. And immediately, when when the angel said to go forth and deliver Israel, immediately Gideon said, I am the least of my family, and my family is the least in Israel. That was natural truth. It was truth. And so Gideon was operating under natural truth and he was familiar with and had succumbed to and accepted his oppressed state until all of a sudden a revelatory word of truth showed up from God. And God spoke into the heart Of somebody that was oppressed Somebody that was defeated Somebody somebody that had no hope And all of a sudden a word came forth from heaven And said you're a mighty man of valor And when he argued with him And told him why he couldn't do it He said go in the strength of yours Gideon just got through telling him Why he couldn't do it And how weak he was And the angel said go in the strength of yours I gotta tell you something Gideon because of truth spiritual truth coming in his life. He walked out of the wine press. He walked out of the threshing floor and picked up his armor and he went and he destroyed the, the altar of Baal. He tore down the wooden idol of his people and delivered them from oppression. I got to tell you something. If God can take Gideon from a place like that to a place of victory, and we today have even more than the word of an angel. We've got the word of God. We've got. Jesus, we got the Holy Spirit. We surely can walk out of the wine press and out of the threshing floor with the victory of God in our lives. Amen. We got to make a decision. You can make excuses or you can get free. Excuses are, are a fool's remedy. Man, That's one of my harsh statements that people don't like, but, I, but I've said that for years because that's what I've seen. Excuses are a fool's remedy. We expect it to fix something, yet it fixes nothing. Amen. You can either make excuses or you can face up to what's going on and choose to challenge the oppressor. If you don't decide to challenge the oppressor he will continue to oppress. In every instant in the Old Testament freedom came because the children of God decided to stand up and challenge the oppressor. And we as children of God today have to learn to stand up and challenge the oppressor. It doesn't matter if it's if it's a, a sickness or an addiction, or just a spiritual stronghold. When we get the revelation and know what's going on, and we decide to stand up and challenge it, things begin to happen. Number one, the battle gets really intense. And that's where most of us back up. Because we don't want to have to fight. We don't want to have to stand our ground. We want God just to do it. God, can't you just do it? And if he just did it, we wouldn't even value it. That's the way we are. So God says, okay, we're going to do this together. And we say, oh, hallelujah. Isn't it great when we, we first get a word from God and we're so excited. Oh, man, we're on top of the world. We're going to conquer everything. and. Woo! Then we say, oh, okay, God, I'm ready, do it. He says, okay, take your right foot and move it forward 12 inches. Where's the victory? God, I don't understand. Victory hasn't come. I did what you told me and victory hasn't come. Okay, now put your other foot in front of that foot. Okay, good job. God, I don't understand why you're not moving. I don't understand why you're not doing anything, God. It just seems like it's been so long and nothing's happening. And God says, okay, put your next foot in front of you. But God, it's so hard. The enemy's pushing against me. And God says, just keep inching forward. We don't look back and see how much ground we've made. Standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come. Never once. We want God to just zip us to the finish line, and God says, We're going to get to the finish line, but you got to do some running. You got to do some walking. You got to do some crawling if you have to, because you are going to help me with this, and I'm going to work through you so that when you cross that finish line, you're going to know exactly how far you've come. You're going to know how you got there, and you're going to know that it's me that delivered you. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! God help us. I've been so excited about these messages that I haven't been able to stand it. Yesterday, I was, just, I was just antsy. It was like, come on, Sunday. Come on, Sunday. Woo! I was just, you know, I couldn't hardly, I couldn't hardly just, you know, there's times... I realize we have to have a Sabbath. And, I, and, and Betty's always telling me, just sit down and rest. Just, you got to rest. You need to rest. And I'll sit down and rest. A lot of times I'll, I'll be sitting there, and, and she'll say, you're sniffing again. When I get nervous, I, she says, I, I start going, and I start breathing heavy. And I flop my hand. I didn't know I did this. She says I'll, I'll start flopping my hand down on the chair, and then I'll get up for no reason. Just I'll go look out the window. <laughs> Trapped inside, I'm having a red because my body. You know, doctors, everybody told me your body it has to rest. You know, well, sometimes I want my body just to shut up and do what I tell it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Let's go. Let's go. We we ain't got time for this stuff. Get up. (laughs) Amen. I went to bed last night like never went to sleep. That alarm went off this morning. I threw the covers back, and the first thing I thought was, Whoa, let's do this. Why? Because there's a truth that's come alive inside of me that I believe is going to help us get free and help us push forward, and we're going to see something that we've been dreaming of, and yet it's going to become a reality. No longer fantasizing about the move of God, but in the very middle of it, I got to tell you something: we have been in a move of God now for over a year, and many of us have not recognized it, and we don't even know what's going on. You know why? Because when God starts moving, the junk comes to the top, and we. Start start having to challenge what's going on in our lives and no we don't think that's a move of god we think a move of god is the glory coming down fire sitting on the church and us feeling you know awesome <laughs> a lot of times when we first come into the presence of god you get knocked off your high horse your face gets rubbed in the dirt and you get up and saying i am miserable i am blind and i can't see anything Who are you, Lord? Or else for Peter that gets up and starts arguing with God about his own law. Rise and eat, Peter. I ain't doing that. I'm righteous. What's wrong with you, God? I'm more righteous than you are. Come on, you want me to rise up and eat and break your own law? I ain't breaking my own law. What is wrong with you? I ain't going to do that. That's wrong. And God and God lowers it back down and says, "Rise, kill, and eat." And Peter says, "I ain't doing it. I'm 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 righteous. I'm going to abide by the law." And here's the writer of the law, the author of all things, telling him to rise and kill and eat and. Pretty soon, Peter finally gets it through his head. God does that three times. And then the next thing Peter knows, there's one of those unclean people knocking at the door saying, we need the gospel. And Peter had to get up and go down and share the gospel with people he didn't even like. He was miffed. Here he is standing in the Gentile's house Feeling like God forced him to. I love that little, car, that little picture people put on, on Facebook. It says, God has a plan for your life. And it's this, this girl and this little boy on a roller coaster. And the girl's going, and it says, Holy Spirit. And the little boy is like, and it says, You. And all of a sudden, Peter finds himself in a move of God that's putting him in a bad situation. This can't be a move of God because I don't like it. Every time God starts moving, there's always people that immediately rise up and say, I don't like it. Talk to the hand. I don't know what that means. I've heard that. I don't, I don't know what that means. Anyway, God, God's saying, well, you can argue or you can enjoy. How long is it going to take you to break? Oh, come on, somebody. It's like when, when Benaiah, my oldest son, he was, he was one of those kids that would bow up at you. You know, I'd tell him he had to do something, he'd bow up at me. And Austin would get right in behind him and back him up. (laughs) Give me that look. But he'd bow up at me. And I'd look at him, I'd say, Son, who's gonna win this battle? He'd say, You are. (laughs) I said, That's right. And I said, How long do you want to suffer before I win? Yeah. How many times does God have to approach us when he's trying to move in our life and he's, he's looking at us saying, who's going to win this battle, you know? And then, how long do you want to suffer before I win? Give in to it. Shaking off this oppressive spirit is is one thing that the children of God has got to do. We've got to get back into being spiritually full. We can't be empty and and miserable any longer. We've got to learn to walk in the Spirit of God. We've got to learn to walk in the fullness of His presence. When you walk in the fullness of, of His presence, you affect everybody around you. Amen. You affect everybody around you, even if you just if, even if you don 't want to, you affect everybody around you. some people's going to dislike you, and other people are just going to love you. why? because you just your presence makes people make a decision <laughs> I got back from this trip we went on gone for three weeks. They called me at one of the uh, Marina said, we need you. We need some stuff done, and I went down there, and I walked in, and they said, oh, man, we have missed you so much. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in elect, I'm the electrician. I'm not even here. I'm part-time electrician. They said, we've missed you so much, and I said, oh, thank you, thank you, <laughs> yeah, and the secretary spoke up and said, we could have used you last week, and <laughs> I said, what broke down last week? And the boss spoke up and said, uh, nothing broke down. We just, had, we just had some real issues and had some bad days. And I said, oh, okay. And then the boss turned around and said, I mean, you're our spiritual leader. I've never even preached a message down there. You know what I'm talking about? I haven't tried to be a spiritual, you don't try. The Holy Spirit in you is so powerful that when you're around, things begin to happen, and it touches people's lives, and they begin to sense that, they begin to feel that. I got to tell you something: you can either make the place where you work better or bitter. It's one. It's a, it's up to you. You can either flow in the Spirit of God, regardless of what happens, or you can go around with a chip on your shoulder and just wanting somebody to knock that chip off. God help the church. To Quit being a little, little, bowled up, pouting outfits with a chip on her shoulder, always wanting to argue with somebody and always, always wanting to debate. And you know, I don't like this, I don't like that. I'm gonna stop talking about what you don't like and start telling people about Jesus, start showing the love of God, start impacting somebody with what God's done for you. Man, I'm getting way off my message. Amen. I didn't, what I'm saying is, I didn't try to get that. I didn't try to do that. I was as shocked as anybody. It's like, really? I'm just, I'm a part-time electrician. He said, you're our spiritual leader. You know what I felt when he said that? I thought, oh, man, I enjoy coming to work down here just because I can do my own thing and, and everybody leaves me alone. And I said, okay, God, thank you. Thank you. Amen. The church is more than a group of people that gather in a church and talk about how bad the devil's beating up on them and how they're under an attack of the devil and how that everything's going wrong in our life. We're so much bigger than that. We are, we are a people, and I'm closing. I really am. I'm, I'm closing. I'm shutting it down. I'm taking the off-ramp. Let me tell you what church, what my vision of coming to church here is. My vision of coming to church here is for embattled People that have been beat up by the world walking in these doors into an oasis of the presence of God and when they walk in all of a sudden the problems out there are no longer in here and they have an encounter with God and they get saved set free delivered and empowered by the power of God and we come in here and instead of talking about how the devil's beat us up this week we come in shouting about how good God is how God is taking care of. doesn't mean we haven't had problems It just means that's not what we focus on or care about anymore we we know that we have an almighty God and the oppressive spirit that has tried to get a hold of us this week has failed because God has sent a deliverer. Stand with me today. Thank you, Father. God has sent a deliverer. Thank you, we are deliver. Man, I don't want to close this mess I've been trying to shut myself down here. Yeah. Um, okay. It's going to be weeks of just the goodness of God. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're going to get freer and freer and freer. And mark my words: this week, the first thing the oppressor is going to do is try to push your buttons and try to remind you of why you're oppressed and why you should stay there. We're not going to do it. And when that happens, you need to stand up and say, "I don't think so." Right. (laughs) I don't think so. Not going to do it. Thank you, God. (laughs) I don't think so. There's nothing you can do to make me get back in that place. Amen. Because I got somebody that's on my side, and he's got power. And he's got authority over the oppressor. See, when the second Adam come, I know I closed, but when the second Adam came, he restored everything that the first Adam lost. And when we come into Christ we come into the restoration of all things. Uh, oh, how many, how many know God's good? Yes. Amen. Eight years ago, I was a very sick, devastated individual. Had all kinds of things wrong. The devil tried to shut me down, tried to overcome me. Eight years ago, this last month, damaged my brain my body wouldn't function I was stuck but I was only stuck out here I was not stuck in here because inside of me there was this Christ says, I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth And Psalms 103, I quoted over and over and over. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all those within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who has forgiven all of my iniquities, who has healed all of my diseases, who has delivered my life from destruction. Who has crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies? That means I walk around with a crown on my head that tells the devil and everybody else that I am assigned to loving kindness and tender mercies. And who fills my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That was eight years ago. Hadn't been back to the doctor since. I, I thought, well, I'm recovering. So besides that, I had to pay off all the debts of all that. Been eight years since I've been back to the doctor. <laughs> but I've been declaring the things of God over my life. Just last month I decided to go back to the doctor and get checked out. They've run all kinds of tests on me. Guess what they said? perfect. That's the word the doctor kept using, perfect. Amen. Everything's perfect. Matter of fact, it confused me. Everything's perfect. At my age, I'm not supposed to have everything perfect. But there's, the reason that happened is because I decided that I've had enough of this. I've had enough of the oppressor. I've had enough of all this. And I'm just going to start crying out to God. And I'm going to start declaring the Word of God over my entire being and, and spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Oh, it's nothing I've done. I'm, it's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm a preacher. Because most preachers are sicker than anybody else. Matter of fact, the doctor told me, he said, now listen, I have a, I have a lot of experience in this area. And I know that pastors carry... Stress and infirmity in their bodies all the time. He said they're a sick bunch of people. And he said, At your age, you should be sick. You should have a lot of things wrong with you. I said, Well, I was. But God sent a deliverer. I said, God sent a deliverer. Hallelujah. There's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's power. And I've learned to rest in him. I've learned to allow that to happen. And I've learned to declare the three areas of prosperity over my life. That's the only way that this has happened. It's not my good. It's not my faith. It's just the fact that I've just started believing the spiritual truth over the natural truth. And I believe spiritual truth is more powerful. And therefore, I believe and I declare over this church. I declare over you, this congregation, and all the people that's about to join this congregation and be saved. I declare that we are spiritually full. Fullness in the name of Jesus fall I declare over this congregation and over everybody that's going to come to this church that we are mentally emotionally and physically whole healed in the name of Jesus I speak to the thief that has come to steal, kill and destroy and say that there is one that has come to give us life and life more abundantly and we choose him therefore the flow, the dam that has been built on our financial and provisional flow is coming down in the name of Jesus. And I declare today that there is a flow coming from the world into the church and God is going to help us to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish. We are not people that have been left alone until we go to heaven. We are people that are blessed. We are people that are prosperous and we are people that are bound in faith. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you today. Thank you, Father. Lord, I ask you to take this word that I've tried to convey today and I ask you to interpret it through revelation into the hearts of every person here today, Lord God, that we would understand and believe and know that we are the children of the Most High God. And we speak to the oppressive spirit has tried to hold us down, that's tried to stop movement, and we declare to you that we are moving. We are moving.